0: Hello, Reds fans, and this is going to be a Reds Line Game One recap. That's right, after every game, yours truly is going to do a game recap. So what happened today at 4:05 p.m. Eastern time, Pittsburgh Pirates versus the Cincinnati Reds? Well, if you listened to my opening day preview, you know I was half right and half wrong. So that's going to bring my correct 99.7% of the time, percentage-wise, down a little bit. But anyway, where was I wrong? Well, I was wrong in Luis Castillo pitched brilliantly until he got into a little trouble in the sixth. Uh, If you listen to the opening day uh, preview... I had suspected that even though the Pittsburgh Pirates offense isn't this juggernaut, that the pressure was going to be a little bit too much for Castillo, and he was going to give up like four runs early but settle down. Well, boy was I wrong. He just looked brilliant. He had a 1-2-3 second, I think, if I'm recalling my uh, game correctly, and he just showed a lot of poise. And uh, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because this is the Pittsburgh Pirates. They are not a good team. In my opinion, they're not. Uh, pitching with Talion and uh, Archer, that's a pretty good one-two punch. I'll admit that. But, um, you know, Luis Castillo, five and two-thirds innings. Only allowed two hits, one run, one earned run. Got a little... Uh, Walk cap. He had three walks, but eight strikeouts. Uh, in fact, he uh, struck out the almost struck out the side one game. I thought it was a close pitch. Ended up picking him four batters to strike out all three outs in that inning. Um, but what can you say about Luis Castillo? His is a uh, changeup was just amazing, and uh, I felt that he was at ninety one pitches when David Bell pulled him. I kind of felt like they could have left him out there to clean that up. His stuff was, you know, still pretty sharp. I, I'm not gonna lie, i not going to lie. I wasn't paying attention to the velocity like I should have been. Um, I think I was, like, preoccupied right that second when he got pulled. But, um, you know, maybe David Bell saw something. But if his velocity was still up there... And his command was still okay. I think they should have left him in. I understand why you bring in Jared Hughes with a runner on. You want to get a ground ball and get out of the inning. Uh, the one thing about Jared Hughes, everybody has to know. He throws sinkers. And just so you know, the more the more you use Jared Hughes, the better his sinker is going to be. A sinker is better when they're a little tired on a sinker ball, if that makes sense. So he got rocked around he got knocked around a little bit a couple hits uh, earned run, walked a batter but uh, I don't think there's going to be anything we need to worry about. They just need to probably use him on a clean inning, get him straightened out uh Zach Duke came in there, you know uh, everybody was kind of worried about him, but I think during the spring, you know he's just throwing the ball, getting in his innings he's a thirty five thirty six year old guy just. Needed to get through spring training healthy. Uh, Iglesias, they brought him in in the eighth inning. I wasn't, um, I wasn't upset. I was not happy. I wasn't sad. I had no opinion on it. I thought it was a little uh, maybe premature because it was a uh, five to two lead. I didn't think that he needed to bring in Iglesias in the eighth. Um, In my opinion, you know, if you're holding on to a 5-4 lead, a 3-2 lead, that's when I would bring Iglesias in. But when you got, you know, a three-run cushion, I don't think you need to be bringing in Iglesias in the eighth. But I understand why David Bell did it. Uh, The weirdest thing, and I know we haven't got to the offense yet, but I'm just going on with the pitching, is... um, Amir Garrett came in there, and his slider was just nasty. Uh, came in there, struck out his batter, and then for some unknown reason, uh, they David Bell pulled him. I mean, I know it was for a right-handed hitter, but the problem with that is, my friends, that um, basically uh, Corey Dickerson, the Pirates, in my opinion, their best hitter, was going to be right there after... Um, that right-handed batter. And I can't remember, um, who they had. I don't remember who, uh, he got out, but that's irrelevant. The point is, is that Dickerson, you know, their best hitter is coming up right after that. So I say, in my opinion, you you had to leave Garrett out there to get that next out. I think the enemy be over Garrett is so good. His slider was so sharp, nasty pitch. Uh, You know, I think Garrett, you know, is probably the answer to the closer later on if uh, Iglesias is traded. And I feel that Amir Garrett should have been left in there. The guy is just emotional. He's, um, you know, can throw that 95, 96 miles an hour when he needs it. But the slider is devastating. They brought in David Hernandez, and David Hernandez threw five straight balls before he threw a strike. Walked the leadoff batter. It was kind of crazy. And then you're having a right-hander face Dickerson, which is, like, so I think David Bell is a little pull-happy with these uh, pitchers. Uh, But, you know, he is a first-year, first-game manager, so you can't really get on him too much. I just think when Garrett's rocking and rolling like that, and you know Dickerson's up there, you kind of need to, you know, roll with Garrett because he was rocking and firing uh, David Hernandez picked up his first save since 2017, got in 56 or 57 games. with The Reds last year didn't have one save, not saying he can't do it. I just believe David Hanner, Hernandez is more of a seventh inning guy, sixth inning guy. Uh, I think David Bell will probably figure this out, but here's the thing. David Bell has already told everybody that these relievers have no like jobs basically um, you know, if the situation calls for you, you're going to go in there. So it's a kind of, uh, you know, have a bullpen. We'll use it kind of mentality. So where do we go back from here? Let's talk about the offense. Uh, Jesse Winker let off, got on base with a walk. I was wrong about that. Uh, I think Jesse Winker was going to have a heck of a day today against Talion. Um, and speaking of, uh, Jameson uh, Talion, um, started out pretty smooth. Um, you know, ended up giving up four and runs over six innings. Um, you know, I thought the Reds were going to, um, probably break out in the fourth inning and I was wrong, but you remember if you watched my, or listened to the, Opening day preview. I said the Reds are gonna come out and hit like four runs in one inning. I said the four runs uh, multiple times, and that's exactly what happened. It just happened in the seventh inning. I thought it would happen in the fourth, fifth, or sixth inning. It ended up happening in the happening in the seventh inning, but uh, in a, in a, not in a way I expected it. Uh, everybody knows I'm not super impressed with Jose Peraza. Uh, he had a really good game uh 2 for 4, 2 runs and an RBI, hit a home run. Uh, you know, can't say enough about his performance today. He comes out and he hits a home run in the in the 7th inning and then they get the, you know, two more runners on base. Uh Barnhart and Iglesias get on base and uh I was watching it, Derek Dietrich came up to bat. And the guy just looks like a starter. Looks like he's confident. Um, I got a little trivia for you too in this uh, podcast. So I'm watching Derek Dietrich up there. I, I see a pitch go by, and I and I and then I you know see him you know take this massive swing, and he just never took his eye off the ball, bat, arms, wrist, hands, straight to the plate. And I just saw him jack one, you know, out to right center field. And, man, that was the happiest guy that I have seen since Jay Bruce's walk-off. I mean, he was excited. And his post-game interview, I'll talk about that later, but his post-game interview was almost the thing of chills, man, because, you know, he kind of came to the Reds with a chip on his shoulder. He, he didn't get a full-time job anywhere. You know, and he's coming off of a 16-home run season last year. I think he played in 143 games. I'm not even looking at his page. Um, But, you know, he had developed in uh, Miami for the Morelands, and it was surprising they let him go. But, you know, Derek Jeter's down there, and they're basically empty in house. Um, It's kind of funny. I I, I think that you couldn't have traded for Derek Jeter a few years ago, and now the Reds just got him on a minor league deal. With a uh, two or two point five million guarantee, whatever it is, um, the trivia I want you guys to think about is this: Who was the uh, last player to debut and make his Reds debut and hit a home run? So I'll talk about that later at the end. So Derek Dietrich did it today, opening day two thousand nineteen. I'll tie this around uh, some other analysis I think is going to happen as well. Later on in this podcast. Well, uh, basically, that was uh, a lot of the offense. Um, Joey Votto, uh, uh, his first at bat was, uh, you know, got a double. That was cool to see. Joey Votto swinging the bat. Uh, He was only one for four. Uh, Yasuel Puig, uh, probably didn't pronounce that right. You know, really, you know, the guys have been hyped up. He struck out twice, 0 for 4, uh, three, 3 left on base. Um, I wouldn't even be worried about that. This was opening day. I think the the one guy that wanted to make a good impression today for the Reds was Yasiel Puig. And I think that, uh, you know, it's just uh, probably, I don't think pressure got to him. I just thought he wanted to overperform for those kids that he went and saw. When it was winter out and, uh, you know, Dick Williams tells a story where him and his agent were going to fly in or something. And uh, Dick Williams called him in the morning and said, you know, we understand if you don't want to come because of the weather. And the first thing out of the mouth of uh, the agent or Puig was, absolutely not, we're coming. And so that was where you saw Puig in Cincinnati and the snow and seeing the kids and going to the ballpark and just really, uh, coming together with the city. So I think that Puig wasn't under pressure. I just think that he wanted to do so good. You know, he probably just had one of those bad days. Uh, Suarez, uh, walked, um, didn't strike out any, uh, looked, didn't look rusty. Didn't look anything. Just, you know, just didn't have any hits. Uh, the guy that, uh, I think has no business being on this roster, who should have been traded to the Blue Jays or the Indians or any number of teams that have been looking for outfielders. Even the, uh, the Marlins were looking for a left-handed batter outfielder. Um, Scott Shebler, uh, he struck out twice and I know I just defended Puig for striking out twice going over four, but man, Shebler just looked lost up there at the plate. This reminds me of last year when they had him in the middle of the order and he just flailed at pitches. It wasn't until they started to lead him off that he was actually getting on base and hitting because he's just not a real good uh, hitter with runners on. Now, he didn't have any runners on today, but I mean, he just, um, you know, he just doesn't, you know, I don't know. Everybody, I guess everybody in the franchise likes him, but, And I'm not saying he's a bad guy. It's just that he doesn't fit this team. He strikes out way too much. You know, they got plenty of other guys that are free swingers. And really, you know, he's just cutting into playing time with Phil Irvin. I I believe you could have Phil Phil Irvin out there. Okay, you know, don't give me too much hell. I know Matt Kemp's on the roster. But my whole point here is Phil Irvin could have been the center fielder for this team and probably give more production, been faster on bases, and way better defensive outfielder than Scott Shubler. Uh They had an opportunity to trade Shubler. In fact, uh, you know, San Francisco Giants needed corner outfielders. The Reds traded Connor Joe instead of Scott Shubler to them. Toronto Blue Jays need corner outfielders. In fact, the Reds did a trade, I think, yesterday and sent, uh, was it Patterson? Uh, he came from the uh, Rockies. I might even be wrong on his name. He was uh, kind of a first baseman, right fielder, pretty good arm. Uh, They traded him to the Toronto Blue Jays because they need some more outfield depth. So there is plenty of options to make a deal uh, with Scott Schebler. And basically, it's not anything anti-Schebler. It's like we got these other players. We have Phil Irvin, who, you know, proved, you know, hit seven home runs last year, drove in, you know, what was it, 31, 32 RBIs, and played basically a third of a season. You extrapolate that, you know, he's going to hit 21, 22, 25 home runs and be, you know, up around 80, 90 RBIs. So you know what you got with Phil Irvin if he plays every day. And I'm not even mentioning Matt Kemp. You know, Matt Kemp didn't get in the game today. But let's keep going on. You know, then uh, Jose Peraza uh, correctly hitting in the sixth hole, uh, which is basically the way I describe the sixth hole is the second leadoff man, kind of after the lineup turns over. Um, You know, two for four, had that home run. Uh, Peraza making me look really bad, because everybody knows how I feel about Peraza. Uh, Tucker Barnhart um, hustled. You know, his hit was, should have been out actually, but it was ruled an infield hit. Uh, Then here's the other thing that made me look bad. Jose Iglesias, I mean, what in the heck? Two for three with a run and an RBI and the guy had two doubles and uh <coughs> excuse me. If you listen to any of these podcasts, you will know that I mentioned that he had thirty one doubles last year multiple times. So the guy is gonna, you know, probably be a gap hitter like that. And I'm not saying, Hey, listen, if the Reds didn't have a shortstop and he was gonna be the starter, I would be pro Jose Iglesias on this team. But the problem is, when Senzel gets back, Jeanette gets back, whoever gets back, Iglesias is not going to be this prototypical bench player that comes off and, you know, know, gets hits. I don't think he's going to be that way. Now, we'll see at the end of the season, and I'll tell you if I was wrong, we'll see what his pinch hitting average is. I think if he's your starting shortstop, and you got a really good lineup like the Reds do, I don't think there's any problem with uh, Iglesias hitting eighth and playing shortstop. He's going to be you know, a gold glove type defender. He's going to probably have 30 plus doubles, especially in this ballpark. But my whole point was, why give up Connor Joe for one bench year of Iglesias? And then if you really like Iglesias, how about trading an outfielder? You know, they got all these outfielders. So you could have traded Shebler and kept Connor Joe. Here's another point. 13 relievers. Or no, 13 relievers. Yeah, that's crazy. 13 pitchers. They're carrying 13 pitchers. Let me do the math for you. That means they're carrying 8 relievers. Ladies and gentlemen, if you carry 8 relievers, somebody's going to get rusty. And that's the problem with carrying 8 relievers. So they had multiple ways to keep Connor Joe on this team, especially after the injuries to Sinzel and Jeanette. Like I said, that Jeanette injury happened a day too late, which I don't even like that Jeanette got hurt, but that's not the point. But anyway, back to roster management, you can't have eight pitchers. They got three left-handers in the bullpen. It's crazy. Um, and the funny thing is they got eight pitchers, and they put Matt Wisler, uh, they I'll put him on waivers. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, What else could I talk about? Yeah, back to Iglesias. I just don't think he's, uh, when uh, the Jeanette gets back, I don't think Iglesias is going to be a good contributor off the bench. I don't see him coming off cold, pinch hitting 7th, 8th, ninth inning, and contributing like maybe a Connor Joe, a guy that can get on base. Now, like I said... I'm doing this podcast all year. I'm in Reds Nation 4192 all year. Well, I've been there for a long time. So we'll we'll keep track of where I'm wrong and where I'm right. So like where I was wrong and right on the opening day preview, I said the Reds were going to rep for four runs. They did. Wasn't the way I expected it with a Dietrich three-run jack, but I'll take it. Uh, Where I was wrong was Luis Castillo was much better today. And so if there is any way that he can keep this up, and I hope he does against better teams, you got to remember Luis Castillo had a 2.44 ERA in the second half last year, I think over 11 starts. And in September, over five starts, 1.09 ERA. And a lot of it has to do with when Danny Darwin came back up and kind of corrected him. You remember last year when they fired uh, the pitching coach and Dave and uh, Brian Price? I think that was Mark Riggins that left, but I'm not sure. Uh, whoever it was, they weren't that great. Anyways, um, to make a long story short, they really got him figured out because if you'll remember, he had like an AERA in April, and everybody was like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, but, you know, he's got the changeup rolling. As long as he got that changeup, He's going to be deadly, and if he can just keep this up against the better teams, and I believe Sonny Gray is going to be great, uh, pitching in the two-hole, basically, that's going to be really awesome. I was thinking that maybe Castillo would be better, you know, third, fourth, facing lesser pitchers, but I guess they're giving him the big push. They want him to feel like he's the ace. They want him to walk around Cincinnati like he's the ace. They want him to walk around the clubhouse like he's the ace. So they're putting him up against the other aces. And I guess, well, I actually get it because I did rodeo. I come from a rodeo family. And a lot of this stuff, as far as athletes, is uh, they say 90% of it's mental. And so, hey, man, if it walks like a duck, acts like a duck, quacks like a duck, whatever's like a duck, I guess he's going to be an ace pitcher. If he just acts like an ace, walks like an ace, if they use him like an ace, that's their theory behind it. It was said today on the uh, national TV broadcast, so anyway, to make a long story short, that's their strategy with Castillo. I'm sort of on board with that after I think about it. Of course, I thought Sonny Grace should have started the season opener, but it is what it is, and there we go. Now, what else happened today that was kind of cool? Well, uh, Lorenzen, Michael Lorenzen, yes, that reliever, came in today and pinch ran for Jesse Winker when he got on with a walk. And kind of cool. Uh, They pulled uh, Winker, moved Shebler from center to left, and put uh, Lorenzen in center, and he played uh, the rest of the game in center field. And just so you know, he was a really good center fielder in college. (coughs) Excuse me. One day I'll be able to figure out how to edit those coughs out. But uh, Lorenzen, probably the best athlete on this team. So this kind of maneuvering late in games is pretty genius. I'm going to give David Bell a lot of credit right there. (coughs) So uh, deploying Lorenzen as a center fielder late in games is kind of a good, good plan. I don't know if you can do it every game, especially when he's pitching. But, um, heck, what if he's pitching in the eighth inning? All you got to do is do a double switch and move him to center field. I bet he could probably do it. So if that gets done a lot this year, it'll be kind of impressive and cool and probably unprecedented. So anyway, to make a long story short, um, the Reds and uh, Pirates... Reds won five to three. <coughs> like I said, some days I'll, someday I'll be able to figure out how to edit those out. Um, what did I see from the game today? So back to that uh, trivia question: um, Who was the last player to make their debut with a home run for the Reds? After Derek Dietrich did it today with that three-run home run, kind of interesting. Uh, It was 2017 and Scooter Jeanette. Both players given up on by their former team. Of course, they came a little bit differently. Jeanette, of course, came in. He was designated for assignment. Reds claimed him. Dietrich was a free agent, uh, had to settle for a minor league deal. Both left-handed uh Scooter Jeanette was a couple years younger cuz you know Derek Dietrich's 29 but um you know Dietrich has a lifetime on-base percentage of 335 3 years ago he had like a 374 on-base percentage he had 16 home runs last year wouldn't it be cool if this guy Scooter somebody out there in the outfield now I was looking it up earlier I was like, man, can this guy play center field? Well, he can play second, he can play third, he can play first, he can play left field. He don't have the arm for right field. Uh, He just probably don't have the wheels for center field. But, man, if he could just um, somehow fit him in the starting lineup, uh, it just would be really cool for the Reds to acquire two bona fide starting players in similar fashions. Anyway, that was the little uh, Reds line, Reds uh, game one recap. I probably won't have uh, trivia every podcast or every uh, Reds line, but it was just something that I found out that was kind of interesting today. So um, the next game is going to be Saturday, and uh, that'll be Sonny Gray versus Trevor Williams. Trevor Williams is a right-handed pitcher for the Pirates. You know, doesn't give up a lot of home runs. He gave up 15 home runs and 170 170 innings pitched last uh, year. Um, I think this is a guy that the Reds could probably beat up on a little bit. Now, I'm not saying he had a high ERA. I think it was like in the low threes. But um, this isn't any world beater by any means. And uh, I'm really hoping that Yasiel Puig will just be able to, you know, exert his uh, force on do Trevor Williams early and often. I'm looking forward to another Reds win on Saturday. I don't think that the Pirates offense is going to be able to keep up with this Reds team. I think it's going to be another Reds win, probably. Um, you know what? I'm going to kind of go a little different on this. It's probably going to be like eight to one Reds. I think Sonny Gray is going to be awesome, and I think that uh, Puig is going to be awesome, and I think Votto is going to probably have a real good day with Trevor Williams. And, uh, you know, Suarez isn't going to go 0 for 3 or 4 on Saturday, I don't believe. So uh, maybe we'll see Matt Kemp. Hopefully we won't see Scott Schebler. No offense, Scott Schebler. But, um, yeah, it's uh, opening day was really cool. Uh, They set a record in that ballpark, 44,000, and was it 49? Uh, The most people ever in that ballpark. So I I really think Puig was the thing that set it up over the top for the town. And uh, I can only hope that he has a breakout year. And I hope that the Reds actually make the playoffs. I hope Puig is an MVP candidate. Puig has the opportunity with a couple guys that can get on base in front of him, Winker and Votto, and hopefully Senzel later instead of Winker, I think Puig has the opportunity to become an MVP candidate. And if the Reds make the playoffs, man, I think that Puig's got a real good chance. And um, I think that um, it should be really interesting. If uh, Luis Castillo keeps this up and keeps him in games, Uh, I think that they might have a chance with Castillo and Sonny Gray. Really wish they would have pulled off the Corey Kluber trade. Not going to lie. Really wish they would have pulled off a Zach Greinke trade. Not going to lie about that either. But, um, you know, if uh, Corey Kluber is available later this year, I really think they ought to bring him on to go in the playoffs because uh, having an ace like Corey Kluber, I know I was talking about uh, Castillo Earlier, earlier today or earlier in this podcast and walking like an ace talking like an ace being the ace but uh i really think that playoff uh, experience will really help and uh, if the reds uh are close i hope they make a move to get Corey kluber at the trade deadline and i hope they're i hope they're buyers and sellers at the trade deadline and uh i've always um Ever since I got into baseball as far as an adult and went to school for uh scouting and baseball operations, uh front office stuff, I always felt that the trade deadline you should be buyers and sellers. I don't I don't believe that someone's just a buyer, and I don't believe someone's a seller. Even if you're competing, even with I mean winning, and even if you're uh on the downside of a season. I believe that you should always be buyers and sellers at the trade deadline. The opportunity, whatever it comes, you got to be there and ready to rock. So um, I think that if uh, Alex Wood comes back healthy and we can get this uh, win series, that's the most important thing about the Reds is if they can keep winning series. And right now with Castillo and uh, Sonny Gray, They're going to have an opportunity to win a lot of series. And that's all you can ask for at the end of the season is to be winning series. That means winning two or three, three or four, uh, you know, basically like that. So if Tanner Rourke can keep him in games, I think this is going to be a really cool season. They have the offense to do it. The bullpen, um, I believe, is going to be really good. And I just believe David Bell needs to... Uh, Not use, you know, six pitchers every game or however many he used today. But, like I said, it's his first game. Reds got away with a win. Great win for the city. 150th anniversary of Cincinnati Reds baseball. And um, who was my player of the game? Man, you you got to, it's either Castillo or Derek Dietrich. And you got to really give it to Derek Dietrich for that three-run jack, man. Um, so I'll probably give it to Derek Dietrich. He hit that three run home run and energized the city. And, you know, like I said, he might scooter Jeanette, Wally pip somebody and, uh, might have a heck of a player on their hands. So, um, I guess we will see you, uh, Saturday and I will do another, um, uh, basically uh game. Recap. I won't really call them post-game shows because I probably can't get on right after the games, but, uh, yeah, we'll do these game recaps every game and we'll do some red lines and hopefully we'll have a uh, good season and I'm hoping to uh, do this podcast through the playoffs. So, uh, congratulations to David Bell. Congratulations to Luis Castillo. Um, And uh, go Reds. Oh, and one more congratulations. Congratulations to Derek Dietrich, obviously, three-run jack. And if you saw his post-game interview, man, he was so excited, smile ear to ear, and um, showed the highlight of uh, his curtain call when he grabbed his Reds logo and was saying something to the fans. You know, he's from a suburb of Cleveland, so he's an Ohio boy. And, man, was he just stoked to be a Cincinnati Red. So congratulations to David Bell, Luis Castillo, and Derek Dietrich today. And uh, this one belongs to the Reds.